people. It's going to be good. Before we get started, I want to just, of course, say good morning and welcome everyone to Impact Life Church. We're glad that you're here. And uh, there's just a few housekeeping things that I wanted to, to get off with. Um, everybody know Erin uh, Dunn? She's our piano player, but she actually released a kind of a mus- musical kind of a piano just for your prayer time with the Lord. So I encourage you, if you, anybody enjoy praying in here? Thank you for the two people that raised their hands. All right, for the rest of y'all, we're going to... But uh, I would like you to encourage you, there's three tracks on this, and it's just strictly instrumental music, just so that you can uh, plug it into your CD, your computer, and listen to it. Is there anybody here that wants this? I'm ready to give that over. So I, I'm going to just do this, because I don't play favorites. I'm just going to, wah, and what happens? What happens, happens, all right? Okay. And if that's it, so... <laughs> all right, well, if you would like to get that, you can go pick one of those things. Bad boy's up over there. Uh, and a few other things, as we said, we had a, we had yesterday our second Saturday service. Awesome. We are, we are so thrilled with it. We know that the Lord is leading us. We are on the right track. So for those that, I mean, that came last night and you served, we want to say a big thank you so much. I know a lot of people made the decision to serve one and attend one, or if they just want to serve everywhere, well, make sure you attend one too. But uh, we want to make that available. So make sure this is also Saturday night. is isn't just so that we could do church again. It's for as well to reach a whole different dynamic group of people as well. So if you're like, oh man, I got a buddy that would like to come to church. I'm not sure if he would come to Sunday. Bring him Saturday because we're here Saturday as well and we're having a good time with it too. So make sure you make yourself available to that. Um, Also want to make mention, uh, just you'll see this in the announcements later, but I just want to make a just kind of a special announcement with with it. We have our Elevate, which is it's our impacting pastors leadership so if you have an interest to become a leader, no matter where you are, you could be a mom, you are leading your children. It, it, no matter where you are in life, you are a leader. And uh, so March 23rd and 24th, we are having a two-day leadership conference with Dr. Dean Radke. Anybody heard Dr. Dean Radke? He's awesome. Okay, yeah, he's great. I mean, he works a lot with Andrew Womack Ministries. He's also one of the, the Bible school teachers there, teaching the business degree there. So make sure you come make yourself available. It'll be all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then he's going to do the Sunday morning service as well. So he won't be doing Saturday night. He'll do Sunday morning as well. So make sure you make yourself available for that because it's going to be good. Anybody want one of these? It's uh, to my brother Eric. All right. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. We're going to continue our series on the gospel. And last week we talked about what is the gospel. This morning we're talking about something different. We are talking about it matters what you believe. And we're going to get right into this. It's going to be good. But, but you know, before we get into this, we just have to say, Jamie and I, we were talking about this this morning. We love this church family. We are so grateful for the people that are in this church whether you've been here for two weeks or you've been here for 25 years, you belong here, but our truly our heart is for you. We are so grateful for you and your, your call to be here. We're one in the same family. There's no outsiders in this room. We're all on the inside here, right? We don't have, you know, it's one group. We're all in this big family together. And anyone else that wants to join, we open up our hearts for them to become involved as well. So thank you for being who you are. We, we love this church family. Awesome. And before we read this, let's just pray. Father, we come before you this morning with great expectation for what your word is able to do in our lives. And Father, right now I ask you that you would make yourself real to us here in this room, that we would see Jesus only. Not see Jesus and, but Jesus only. Because you are our vision, Lord. You are our heart's desire. We crave you. We long for you. We desire you more than anything else in this world, Jesus. We are so grateful that you came and you took us into the very presence of our Father. 
Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And right now, we just step into this this morning to with great expectation. We are going to hear from your word. We are going to see you in a greater way than we've ever seen you before. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. And if you got your Bibles, I encourage you just to keep, keep your eyes on there. And if you don't have a Bible with you, well, that's too bad. You can look on the screen there, I guess. But Romans 1, because it's good for you to put your eyes on your own Bible so you can see it, right? Then you can, okay, this is my Bible. So it says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is, say it is. What is the good news about Christ? It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So now last week, I want to just take about five to seven minutes just to reiterate a few things we talked about last week. So we're all caught up. But what is the gospel? Do I have to do what we did again last week? All right. What is it? Pretend it's just, okay, it's, it's good news. So what does it look like when you receive good news? It is literally jumping up and down good news. It is, and we get into this, it is too good to be true. You can go, I, I, that's, that's too far. Listen, that's how good our God is. It literally is jumping up and down good news. So what the gospel is not, the gospel is not good advice. It is good news. What is good advice? Good advice is something, literally somebody is telling you what you should do. News is telling you what has been done. Good news or the gospel is not, is not a primarily a way of life. It's not a code of ethics to be dis- debated. It's not an opinion. It's not something that we do. We don't work in order to get good news coming to us. Right? And I think even in our, I guess, Western culture, a lot of times okay, we work hard so that we're able to get a bigger paycheck or we do this in order to get something. We cannot let that mindset come into when it works with God. The good news has already been proclaimed. Our job is we're not trying to work hard enough for God in order to get good news coming back to us. The good news is already proclaimed. It's already a finished thing. You and I just have to enter into it and rejoice in it. So it's as if you already got the raise. It's already you got the bonus. It's already you got everything you've ever wanted. He's already given it to you. So you're not working for it. You've already got it. I think we're going to be running around the building this morning, don't you? All right, I know how this thing ends up, so it gets gooder. Okay. The term the gospel is generally used to declare the news of something that has happened to rescue and deliver people from destruction. The gospel then is to be proclaimed and spoken to what God has already done. It is a finished work. The gospel is simply good news that we must respond to. So the good news is not something you go after. The good news is something that we respond to. When you hear the good news, it demands response. Right? When Jamie told me, hey, we're pregnant, I didn't go, oh. Man, yeah, we responded to that. It was the good news, man. We just had to respond and rejoice in the news that we just heard. Right? So that's first and foremost. It's jumping up and down good news. It's not good advice. The second thing about the good news, what is the gospel? The gospel is announcing that we have been Rescued. Say rescued. I have been rescued. So in order for there to be good news, it means that there had to be bad news before that. 
Right in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, I'm, don't, don't turn there for time's sake, but it talks about in that leading up to that verse, it talks about the fall of man. What Adam and Eve had done, they had disobeyed God, they had eaten of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then they shouldn't have. And it says, at that moment, something happened. Their eyes were open. They felt shame. They felt guilt. And they knew they were naked, so they hid themselves. Right? So it says, at that moment. So at that moment, something else happened. And we talked about two things last week. What, did, what two things happened? Remember? Separated. Number one, we were separated from God. So when you are separated from God, it means you are separated from everything that He is. Now, who is God? He is love. He is health. He is joy. He is peace. He is goodness. Everything that God is, we were separated from that. So how can you have love if you're apart from it? No such thing. You can't have joy when you're separated from the source of joy. It's impossible to have. So we were separated from God, but we were also separated to sin. Now, Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, I'm going to just read this to you. It says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. So I love this verse because it simply shows that God has never, ever, 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 ever turned His back on mankind. He's never done that. What has happened? Man has turned their back on Him, but God stayed in this position here. He's never changed positions. He's always here. Right? So what... what what did we do? We sinned, and our sin separated us from God. So we, had, we were separated from God, separated to sin. And now what is sin? Sin is a slave master. Its will and its desire is to control you and to keep you within its grasp. And the wages of sin is death. So the first thing that we talked about was separation. The second thing that we're talking about is that you were now death spread to every man. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. So through sin came death. Through sin came death. God is not the author of sickness and disease. He can't. Where would He get it? If He is all good, there would be no way for Him to even give it to anybody. But what happened, mankind was the door for sin to enter, and with sin came death. What does that mean? I mean, sin's ultimate goal is spiritual death, right? That would be eternally separated from God. Not only that, but then there's also emotional death. Then there's also physical death. So you think of all the negative things that are in this world, depression, anxiety, you know, physical pain and torment. All these things is a subject of death. And that's the, the, the job of, of sin. That's what it wants to do. It came in to bring death to every man. So there it is. There we are. We are stuck in this state. At that moment, all of this entered the world. And now the new, the Eden headline said, sin takes over, God is out. So sin now has its way with mankind. It's going, yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's doing everything it can to wreck, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what it's here for. But aren't you glad it didn't stop there? I am so thankful. So that's the bad news. But the good news is God did something. Didn't say man did something. God did something. What did God do? There's four things that we talked last week and I want to go over it real quick. Number one, God sent His Son. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to judge and to condemn the world, but that through His Son the world might be saved. (gasps) Don't ever let that verse become familiar to you. For God so loved the world, and that is still the same today. Is God angry with the world? No. He hates sin, but He loves people. It's the same way with the church. We love people. We hate sin. But man, God is wild about this world. What about those extreme terrorists? Oh yeah, he loves them. What about back in World War II when Adolf Hitler was here? Did he love them? Absolutely. You can't even put a limit on this. For God so loved the world that he gave everything he had in order to get mankind back. But it says, first, whoever believes in him will not perish. That's the key. Whoever believes in him will not perish. So number one, what did God do? God gave his son. Number two, I want to read this to you. Romans chapter 5. Turn there for a moment. The second thing God did, not only did He send His Son Jesus to the earth, but He sent His Son Jesus to die. It wasn't enough just for Jesus to show up. Jesus also had to pay a price. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, When we were, say me, when we, when we were utterly helpless. What does utterly helpless look like? Actually, the way that I kind of thought of it is uh, in the, like we, uh, for London, she, we have a little swaddle thing for her. Is that what it's called? Okay, something like that. Swaddle. Anyways, b- basically we put her into a burrito and we just, <laughs> we burrito her till she, there is no movement at all because, you know, baby's little limbs, they kind of, they jerk themselves awake once in a while. So, and she is just one hot burrito just laying in there. She literally is utterly helpless. I went there this morning and she just. <laughs> not able to do not able to do a thing completely dependent on me getting her out on swaddling her setting her free and the moment i took the swaddle off you see all this happening well it's the same thing with you and i we were utterly helpless sin had us in a swaddle we're doing everything we can we're trying to get out of this there is no way out the chains were on that swaddle and we just and we're looking for people. Can, can, can my good works get me out of this? Nothing. But when we were utterly helpless, so I want you to get this picture. When you were swaddled, <laughs> when you were in that state, the Bible says Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ he will certainly save us from God's condemnation man so not only am I saved to God I am also saved from God the Romans chapter 3 talks about a day of anger coming and I'm thankful I am not going to be partaking in that day no I listen you should be pumped about that there is a day coming and it's not that God's angry at people that's a day of anger against sin and everything sin represents he is going to absolutely obliterate it forever it's gone so that day of anger is coming and aren't you glad that you're not going to be here come on y'all they aren't you glad that you're not going to be here I'm not going to be on that day because I'm with him oh man I'm thankful thirdly so Jesus came Jesus died at the right time for us sinners God put all of this, the sin, on His Son, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I know these are familiar verses, but I want you to don't become familiar with them. So let's read it. 
It says, For God made Christ, He made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Isn't that awesome? God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for sin, so that I, you, could be made right before God. What did you do to, in order to get right? Nothing. Nothing. What did Jesus do in order to get wrong? Nothing. God made him that way. That's why the Bible talks about Isaiah 54 that Jesus was disfigured. He was no longer even recognizable because what sin does to mankind. Yes, we looked on it from the natural, the outside of it, it looks horrible. But you have no idea what it looked like on the inside. Man, he took it spiritually. He took it emotionally. He took it physically. He took all of death, all sin. He put it all back on himself and he died with it. That's why the cross was so horrible is because that is God's judgment on sin. Man, God hates sin and you can see it on Jesus. So God made Jesus to take sin, made Jesus to look like sin, made Jesus to smell like sin so that we could be made completely free just like what he is today. Man, that's good. So that was thirdly. Fourthly is also now God disarmed the enemy and made a public show of him. I'm just going to read this verse for, if it's nobody else sake here, just so that the devil can hear it one more time. Colossians chapter 2, I want you to turn there for a minute. Because that punk is under my feet. And uh, I actually, Jason, Max, and I, when we, are, when we have breakfast in the morning, that's one of the first things we talk about is, Papa, so where is the devil? Oh, the devil's under our feet. And the best thing to do, actually, what the devil really likes, is when you dance on him. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, so that's when we, you know, everybody remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> all right, you, you, want the, you want the full version. All right. So this all started because the puppies had to go on adventures, right? And so we kind of, you know, you have to bring the gospel to kid form. So puppies go on an adventure and they find Jesus. Thank God for stuffed animals. Eight of them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, so these puppies, they go on an adventure, and what they do is they clap their paws, and they raise their paws. They clap their paws, and, they, and then they dance, and they dance, and they dance, and they dance. And, they, and that was, so we did that. We do that dance, and what do we do it on top of? And we dance, and we dance, and we dance, and we dance, and we dance. We get excited about it because, listen, if we can't get excited about it, I don't know what else will. The devil is under our feet. And Colossians chapter 2 very much clearly lays it out. Verse 13 says, You were dead. Say, I was dead. I was dead because of my many sins and because my sinful nature had not been yet cut away. Then God, I love these words. Then God, but God, because of God. says, then God made you alive with Christ. He made you alive. What did you do in order to get alive? Nothing. He made you alive. You just got to receive it. He made you alive with Christ for He forgave all our sin. It doesn't, doesn't, let's keep going. Verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us. So just so you know, there was a lot of charges against you. There's a lot. All the sin, everything wrapped up was all charges against you. But he canceled it out and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this same way, God disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. <laughs> Then he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So he disarmed. All right, and I have my cousin right here who is a 
police officer. And when you disarm somebody, you don't politely say, can I please have that gun, sir? I would like to have that back. No, if he's going to go crazy, you disarm the sucker. You do whatever it takes to get that thing away from him. Jesus didn't go up to the devil. Oh, Mr. Devil, can I please have that back? I need the power and the authority and everything you took from man. I would like that back. And the devil, okay, here you go, Jesus. You win. No, it was a fight. So what did Jesus do? Here, devil, 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 devil. And he came after him and the devil. I could just, just picture what hell looked like at that moment when Jesus was getting raised from the dead. Oh, no! Freaking right out and Jesus coming in there and just beating the snot out of him. I want to picture Jesus that way. Rather than just a guy carrying a little lamb walking around. No, see him, man. He, a lion of the tribe of Judah. What do lions do? Open it up. Man, he tears up ship. That's it. Good night. Takes him out. Beats him up, and then that doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just leave him laying around. Oh, yeah, I whooped him. That's good enough. No, then he tied a little rope around him, drug him over here, and said, let's have a big parade. I want to show you now what this loser looks like. And who did he do that for you? For who? He did that for me. He did that for you. So now in victor, in this world, Jesus said, you will have trials and tribulations. But why could he say, but be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world? Yes, he overcame it, but who did he do that for? For me. So yes, there's going to be some tough times, but he said, you are called to overcome it. Nothing is supposed to take you out. Why? Because your enemy is tied by his ankles, is tied by his hands, and he is rendered useless. He's helpless. He's paralyzed. He's got nothing on anyone anymore unless you give it to him. That's how powerless he is. He's got nothing unless you say, devil, come into my life and do some problems. That's all he's got. He cannot do anything. So the new headline was, God came in, Jesus came in, spanked the devil, destroyed him, everyone joined the parade. That's the new headline, and that's the good news that we are proclaiming, that sin is no longer keeping people held hostage. We're free. Say it, I'm free. Man, say, I'm free. Everything that the enemy tried to bring, everything that he is, I'm completely free from it, and guess what? It's all a gift. It's all a gift. What did I do in order to get that? Nothing. I just have to simply believe it. I have to receive it. And I live my life from that perspective. Isn't that awesome? So now here we go. Message starts right now. Okay. Because I left about five minutes for running, but I guess we'll do that at the end. Okay. Now the thing, go back to Romans chapter 1 verse 16 for a sec. I want to just read this to you, but it matters what you believe. It matters. Not only that, it matters what your church believes. It matters to the people that you are listening to what they believe. It matters a ton because whatever you are listening to will affect your believer. The church that you go to matters. And why I'm going to be pushing this a little bit because it could be life or death for a lot of people. It matters what you believe. It matters what a speaker believes. It matters what a congregation believes. It matters, it matters, it matters because it's going to affect everything else that happens out here. Because what you believe eventually be shown out here. And Romans chapter 1 verse 16, it says, I am not ashamed. I love Paul. Just bold and... <laughs> sure he wasn't the cutest, but man, he would just wreck stuff. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Now, we got to come to that point where we can say the exact same thing. I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. Now, notice these next few words. It. What is the it? 
It's the gospel, the good news. The good news is the power of God at work. So let me ask you right now, what is the good news doing? The good news, sorry, the good news is the power of God. Now, is the power of God working? Is it working 24-7? 365? It is constantly working. It's constantly going. Now, it's available for everyone. But how do, who does it affect? The ones who believe. If you don't believe it, it will not affect you. Right? Now, I want to just read this to you from the New King James Version for a sec. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, I want to just go into this word salvation. It's very important that we understand it because a lot of times in our Christian mentality, we think of salvation. The first thought is, I'm saved from sin, saved from hell. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. We think saved. Okay, I'm saved. But you know what? In the actual Greek and Hebrew, it shows that there's actually nine words for what salvation means. So if you've got a pen, write these things down and let them get on the inside of you. For every time you hear the word salvation, let these nine words come flying at your brain. This is what it is. Okay? So in the Greek, soteria is the Greek word for salvation. And it means these words right here. Are you ready? You got your little pens out? Or I guess your fingers for your phone? That's how we are now. Number one, it's to rescue. Two, deliverance. Three, safety. Soundness. Health and wholeness. The Hebrew word for the word salvation is Yeshua. And we know Yeshua is the name Jesus. But the word Yeshua also means salvation. And so it has three words, but one of them is the same as the Greek word. It's deliverance. The other two for Hebrew words for Yeshua is prosperity and victory. So every time you say the name of Jesus, which means salvation, you literally are slapping the devil with all nine of these words. So when you say, I am saved, what you're saying is, I am rescued, I am delivered, I am safe, I am sound, I am healthy, I am whole, I am prosperous, I am victorious. It's not just saying I'm saved, meaning, oh, I'm going to heaven. That's included, but it includes all nine of these words in that. And that is a mouthful. So that's why when anybody cries out, Jesus, no wonder there's no name under heaven by which men can be saved. So when you say, Jesus, what happens? Rescued. Delivered, safe, sound, healthy, whole, prosperous, victorious. It's all wrapped in that name. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And he gave us his name to use it. Because every time, listen, you can read that in Philippians chapter 2. Every time somebody says the name of Jesus, all of heaven stands at attention all of earth has to bow its knee, and everything under the earth has to bow its knee. And listen, it's not that they do it out of respect. They have to because Jesus is Lord. Oh. So everything has to bow to that name. Woo. So what, what I understand, it matters what you believe. The gospel is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. 
So if you don't believe, it's not going to work for you. Listen, you can believe and get, yeah, I believe that Jesus is Lord coming to my heart. You can get born again, saved. You miss hell, go to heaven. That's, that's true. That's great. But if you just stop there, you will not experience and encounter what salvation wants to do for you here on this earth. Jesus paid too high of a price for you just to be saved spiritually. He did it all. Say, He did it all. So stop just thinking spiritual stuff. Put, I got my little spiritual life over here. But man, I'm messing up in my, my emotions. I'm messing up physically. But spiritually, I'm taken care of. No, Jesus came to purchase the entire being. Spirit, soul, body. He took care of the whole thing. So when you say salvation, yes, it includes the spirit. But guess what? It also includes your brain. It includes your mind. It includes your emotions. And it also includes your physical body. So if you're struggling in any of these two areas over here, guess what? Salvation is for you. But now it depends on what you believe. You believe spiritually. Oh, yeah, I'm born again. I'm saved. That's great. This is taken care of. This is sealed by the Spirit of God. I'm forever with Him. He's forever with me. That's good. But don't let it just stop here. Let it affect the way you think. Let it affect the way that you live. Because then that's the way that God wants to use you as a trophy to show you what salvation looks like, spirit, soul, body. It's useless just to be saved here. I mean, this, this is great. That's good for eternity. But, man, if you're living life and it just looks like the world... That sucks. That's not what it's intended for. It's the whole being. Okay. So experiencing salvation is not dependent on God. So when I say salvation, what, do I, what am I saying again? All right, let's just do this. All right. Salvation. Salvation. Salvation! All right, the first three rows got it. Okay, cool. Experiencing. Salvation. Salvation. <laughs> Some people just. No, it's dead. <laughs> Experiencing salvation is, <laughs> is not dependent on God. Okay, I gotta say that again. Experiencing salvation <laughs> is not dependent on God. Right? He's already provided it. The power of God is always at work. How is it activated in my life? Belief. I have to believe it. It's not just randomly, God just does something sovereignly. God is not sovereignly doing things. That's not how this thing works anymore. It's dependent on you and I. Romans 1.16 will shatter that. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God working, saving everyone who believes. you got to believe it. It's not a sovereign act of God that He just does stuff. If you don't believe it, you will not see it. If you believe it, you will see it. Right? It's dependent on you and I. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't need more power in your life. You need to simply hear the gospel and believe the gospel. I just feel so powerless as a Christian. You need to hear the gospel. And when you hear it, you've got to choose what you believe. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Matthew chapter 9. I want you just to show you that there's individuals that received the power of God into their lives and it changed their life. 
Now, experiencing the gospel, the power of God in your life is dependent on believing. Jesus' ministry was dependent on others believing in Him. Did you hear that, y'all? Ready? I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus' ministry, everything He did on this earth, was totally dependent on others believing in Him. Wasn't Jesus just walking around, floating around, and just zapping a few people here and there? Need a healing? Zzz, gotcha. Gotcha covered. Oh, you need something over there? Shabang! Bless you. Oh, you need some more money? I'll rain it down from man and from heaven. That's not how it works. I don't know what you're seeing. That's not how this thing works. He was completely dependent on what people believed. Right? <laughs> Jesus, just bam! Bam! And that's, you see a lot of, you know, crazy folk doing that. That's not how this thing works. Right? Anyways, I'm going to stop there before it goes further. So anyways... Matthew 9, verse 27, it says, After Jesus left the little girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Now, just think about that question for you for a sec. These are blind men following Jesus. Blindly. <laughs> okay. Literally, blindly. <laughs> Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says he just walked into the house. So you think these blind guys are now finding the door to this house, looking for the entrance. <laughs> Marco. Sweet <laughs> <laughs> <Just wait> for that. <laughs> no, not the door. And they, you can see there, they're, you can, I want you to get a picture of them actually working to get inside this house. They get inside, and Jesus asks this question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, duh, they spent all this time trying to find Jesus. You'd think that yes. Not necessarily, though. So that's why Jesus asked this question. Do you believe? Do you believe that I, Jesus, can make you see? Well, you know, Lord, it'd be really great. I haven't seen for a while. <laughs> like, oh, Lord, I, I really, I, I wish this would just, I, Lord, I, Jesus, I just wish that I could see. What would have happened? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, but Jesus is compassionate. Yeah, that's, that's nothing to do with it. He is, but he is totally dependent on what you, you believe. And I love that it says, do you believe that I can make you see? Not asking the whole group, do you believe that I can make this person see? He's asking you as an individual, do you believe that I can make you see? It's the, totally dependent on your answer. Not depending on what your wife thinks, what your husband thinks, what your kid thinks. What do you believe? They said to him, yes, Lord. They told him, we do. Oh, then he touched their eyes and said, because of my power, my ability to heal. Shabang! No, because of your faith, it will happen. So who got the miracle? These, those guys did. Was Jesus planning on doing it that day? Not necessarily. But because of their belief in Him, it activated it. The gospel is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Salvation! That includes health, does it not? That includes wholeness. If you got no eyes, are you whole? No! So salvation was working for these guys. How come? Why did it work for them? Because of what they believed. 
Okay? Now I want you to go to Luke chapter 5. <laughs> Come on, my friends. <laughs> As you're turning to, to uh, Luke chapter 5, I want to just read you real quickly the message paraphrase in Matthew chapter 9, verse 28. It says, Become what you believe. In the Passion Translation, it says, You will have what your faith expects. You will have what your faith expects. And you know what's sad? A lot of times, coming into church, people have zero expectation. They expect to be impressed. Hopefully the worship team does something good today. That'd be nice. It'd be great if it wasn't so cold or hot in here. That'd be great too. It'd be great if there was a parking spot. So their expectation is basically just around there. <laughs> right? But when they come into a service, they go, Oh, that, that Pastor Joel better bring something good. Otherwise, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I got a whole lot of time to spare. It's not dependent on that. It's totally dependent on what you expect. If you need an answer, if you need the wisdom of God, if you need something, whatever it is, God will meet your expectation. It's not, he's not limited to what happens in a service. He's not. He knows expectation levels. He knows exactly if you're sitting there with great expectation, he knows that and he'll meet that need because he does not fail those expectations. It's impossible to be, he doesn't disappoint. He doesn't know how. He's the God of all goodness and grace and kindness and mercy. He's ready to lavish upon you every good and precious thing. He's already provided it. But what are you expecting? If church is just church as usual, guess what? Church is just going to be usual. Oh, church is so boring. Guess what? It's boring because you is boring. I'm sorry. I don't know how to, you know, cuten that up a little bit. Zero expectation. Church is lame. The Word of God is lame. You know when this gets fun? Is when you got expectation up. Man, Lord, I expect you to show yourself to me. Guess what? He will. He will. Say, He will. Man, I believe that. Put the pressure on Him. I, when I have expectation, I expect to see you in greater way. What's going to happen? He's going to meet that expectation. Because I want it. I'm pulling on it. I'm pulling it. I want it. I want it. Same with these blind guys. They wanted it. What do they want? They want their eyesight. What do you want? Luke 5. Okay. Verse 17. I'm not even there. Okay, screen. Thank you for the screen. <laughs> One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. What else could we say that is? Salvation. Salvation. The anointing of God. The power of God was there. It was present. Salvation was there. Alright. Some men, now just before we go on that, it says that all these religious men, so I, I clearly read into that and going, there had to have been somebody in that room that needed the tangible healing of God in their bodies. They needed it. So it says, verse uh, 18, some men, <laughs> some men, of no, it doesn't say they were under the religious leader, just some random men, came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus. Now look how that, just go back there for a sec, please, sorry. It says, they tried to take him inside to Jesus. But, verse next, next verse, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Now I want this to paint a picture. 
Imagine this, this, there, there's this house. People are swarmed on the inside. You got these four, these four men and the paralyzed guy walking around. They're trying to get inside to Jesus, but there's no room. So they tried it. They couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tiles. Now I want you to see these guys are believing something. Most people will go, the parking lot looks full. I guess I'll go to the next one. They, they, are limit, they weren't limited by what they could see here. Oh, man, there's no room? Shoot. Uh, uh, so, sorry, you know, paralyzed guy. We're going to have to try again another time. It's not going to work. No, they were so convinced that they, were, they believed something, they were going to get it. I believe one of those four friends <laughs> just grabbed his, I am not carrying this lame guy anymore. He is getting his healing today. I am done carrying this guy around. So he said, oh, so all of a sudden, like this same guy, it was, okay, it's full here. We're going up there. Let's go. And just grabbed his guys and up they went. They climbed the roof and they started taking off tiles. Now, I know we know this story, but seriously, there's a hole in my roof. <laughs> then not only that, they took off the tiles. So just think, tiles are being taken off of your home. Man. This belief, I'm sure glad this, hope this guy's got insurance. Taking off all these tiles. Paralyzed guy. Lay on that mat. And all of a sudden, they start lowering this guy down on his mat into the crowd. Into the crowd. Mosh pit. <laughs> What's the greatest guy to mosh? The paralyzed guy. <laughs> Throw him up. He can't feel it anyway. Just throw him up. They lowered him into the crowd. Oh, come on now. They lowered him into the crowd right in front of Jesus. So now all these religious rulers are just... What are you doing? And then don't notice this. So Jesus isn't just seeing a hole in the roof, which the Pharisees are like, that's going to cost some money. That's going to be a problem. Uh... How are we going to fix this? Jesus didn't see that. Jesus saw something completely different. What did he see? Faith. Another word is expectation. He saw it. Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees, of course, had to pipe up. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Click. So they asked him, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, right? Paralyzed man, there he is laying there. Jesus talked to the Pharisees, now he's here. And he says, stand up, pick up your bed, go home. And immediately... As everyone watched, the power of God just lifted him up. Now what did it say? The man jumped up. The man picked up his mat. And the man went home praising God. And then it says, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Imagine this guy. He was lame. And here he is getting mosh pitted down in front. And all of a sudden he's standing up and everybody's, whoa, we've seen amazing things today. How many of you people want to see amazing things today? What's it take? Belief. 
Where is your expectation at? If we don't have any expectation, what can Jesus work with? He works with your expectancy. That's what he works with. Right? He's not working with you being good enough in order to get something done. That's not what he's working with. He's working with your expectation. What do you think that he's capable of doing? It matters what you believe. Now, these guys were unwilling, as I said with that, par- that one of the friends, man, he looked at that roof and said, we are going to get it. Faith, expectancy gets it. I'm going to get it no matter what it takes. Once you have that mentality, your pride is out the window. So the Lord says, I want you to go for a lap. You're free. Well, I don't want, what are people going to look like? What are, what are they going to think of me? Who cares? Because it's not about that. It's about you getting what you came expecting for. What's more important to you? What you expect or what you look like? Because if what you look like is more important than what you're expecting, you're going to be left with nada. Nothing. But as soon as your expectancy becomes greater than what you look like, guess what? You can get ready for some amazing things to take place in your life. Why? Because it turns God on to see expectancy. It's the biggest turn on to him. He sees expectancy. Oh, he's like, I like that. Ooh, I like that. I like that. How do we know that? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is. It doesn't say it can't be done. It is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. A lot of people believe that he is, but they don't believe that he's a rewarder. It, you need both. I believe God that you are, but I also believe that you are a major reward of those that diligently seek you. You reward me. Awesome. Now, let me show you a negative side of this. Go to Mark chapter 6. All right. Just to prove that this is... <laughs> Somebody got happy on the negative side. Okay. You know you had church when. <laughs> Say, it matters what I believe. It doesn't matter what your, what your spouse believes. It, doesn't, it matters what you believe. What do you believe? That's what will change everything. God's not looking for, you know, in this sense, a corporate belief system. What do you believe? Because look, in that midst of all those Pharisees there, nobody else got it except for that one man. Actually, I shouldn't even say that one man. Those five men. Those five men got what they were expecting for. Meanwhile, you got a house, house full of people that got nothing. Like, and the power of the Lord was present to heal him. Like, isn't that the power of God? Listen, it's present to heal right now. It's present to make whole. It's present to do whatever you need. It's ready. It's there. It's available. But it totally depends on what you expect. Uh, Can you see that, man? Those Pharisees just, oh, we've seen amazing things. I don't want to be the spectator going, man, that's pretty cool. That's great. No, I want to be included in that. Okay. Now, Mark 6, 1, it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did, <coughs> excuse me, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their 
unbelief, Jesus wouldn't do... Oh, pardon me. What does it say? Come on, do you see that? Jesus couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. So what is needed in order for Jesus to have access into your life is your belief. What do you believe? So that's the question that I want to ask you. What are you believing? Because you believe, um, this is what we're called to as believers, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, for we live. We live by believing, by faith, and not by seeing. There is two different lifestyles that are present here. There is a belief on what the Word of God says. We live by what we believe in the Word. Or we live by what we see. You are either in one of these categories. There's not a third category for you to live in. Which one are you in? The world automatically is living by what they see. This is how they live. This is what's real to them. What is real to you? What is real to you? Because you look at the Pharisees and that back at that house again. Man, they had such a hard time with Jesus. What was their belief? This guy, he's, he's not. He thinks he's God. He's blasphemous. That was their belief system. And the result now was they didn't partake in salvation. But on the other hand, these five men believed in him. And the result was salvation. Man, isn't that amazing? So go back to that scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Just leave it there. So we live by believing, not by seeing. Let this get on the inside of you. We live, say it with me, I live by believing, not by seeing. I live by believing, not by seeing. Your believing will eventually affect what you see. What came first for these the blind men? What came first for the, the paralyzed men? Was did they see it first and then they experienced it? No, they believed with all their heart that if I just get in front of that Jesus man, something's going to change in me. I want my eyesight. I want to get off of this mat. That was what they believed. And the result was they got exactly what they believed. Nothing more, nothing less. Exactly what they believed. Okay, so how do I believe? We know this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Look there. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you're saved. So now just think of it from a, from a salvation point of view. Being born again. Being a child of God. What did you do in order to become a child of God? You had to confess with your mouth. What? Jesus is Lord. And you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you were saved. So this, this, there was a combination. So look at verse 10. It says, if you, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. So let's just go back. When you heard the gospel preached, God's not mad at you. God loves you. You know the four things that we listed off, what Jesus provided for you on the cross. You heard that. You believed in your heart. Okay, I believe that. Belief is a choice. You can't, oh, I can't believe that. No, no, no. You choose what you believe. You choose it. Nobody can choose what you believe. It's your choice what you believe. It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. So you heard the gospel preach. You go, I believe that. I believe Jesus took my sin. I believe that I'm made right with him. 
And so you believe that. Now you have to give expression to that belief. And then he says, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. That's how you got born again and experienced salvation the first time. You heard something. Faith comes by hearing. Expectancy comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Oh, He loves me. Okay, God's not mad at me. Okay, I believe that. And at that moment, you had to give expression to that. And you simply had the heart-mouth combination. And the result is, your eternal destiny has completely changed. Don't let that be familiar to you either. Your eternal destiny is based on you believe something in your heart and you said it with your mouth. That is it. So that's how you got into the family. How do you think you're supposed to live your days in the family now? You believe in your heart and you speak it with your mouth. So the thing is that we, we have to make sure is that we are exposing ourselves to the Word of God so we can get our believers proper. Our believing has to be proper because there is a lot of whacked out mindsets out there even within Christian circles because you know what happens when you get away from the Bible? You actually get weird. you got to stick with what this Word says. And the world has got a plethora of ideas of what wisdom is. Listen, they, got, they call, now, you can actually Google this, they call doctors and you know, uh, psychiatrists those that say there are more than two genders. They got about 52 different genders that you could be now, by the way. Now, those doctors that they talk about, they call that wise. That's brilliant. That's, man, it's amazing that they found all these things. The Word of God calls that foolishness. You got to stick to what this Word says. Because if you get away from this Word, your believing will be off. When your believing is off, your speaking is off. When your speaking is off, your life will be off. When your life is off, everything reeks. Now you're frustrated. Now you're angry. It's my wife. It's this. You got this entitlement issue. Everything goes back to what do you believe? Because if your believing is right, your speaking will be right. If your speaking is right, your wor this world will look a lot different to you. When the world looks a lot different to you, you actually can walk around now and God's able to use you because now you're available to Him. It all starts to what do you believe? So you got to expose yourself. You know, John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. So it all starts with words. In the beginning was words. What do you believe? What words are you exposing yourself to? Because what you're exposing yourself to is affecting your believer. Proverbs 4.23, right? We know this. Protect and guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Life isn't the issue. This is not the issue. What do I believe? The responsibility is not on God. It's not on other people. The responsibility at some point has to come back and say, I am responsible for me. I am responsible for what I believe. I am responsible for what life comes at me, what it looks like to me. I am responsible for it. Take responsibility for it. And the result is when you are selective in what you're hearing, your believing will change. Don't listen to controversial garbage. Forget about it. That's a waste of time. And you know what? It's damaging your believer. People get so caught up, and I talked about this last week, we get so caught up on what Facebook and all those things are bringing in, and people are mad at Justin Trudeau. Man, the man needs our prayers. But if you live in so frustrated in what he's doing and how stupid he looks in India, man, you know what's happening? It's affecting your believer. No, listen, it's affecting your believer. Now, guess what? Your Christian lens has got some bitterness and anger towards our prime minister when, in fact, God needs you to bless that man. Yes. 
Come on, church. We can't just be, you know, hanging around, dabbling in what's going over here. Protect that believer. What does God say about those in authority? Pray. Pray for them. When you're able to pray for them, your heart becomes tender towards them and you start looking at them in a different light. He needs Jesus. Just like everybody else on this planet, he needs Jesus. And as long as you sit on your Christian horse going, I'm better than that guy, you have actually fallen yourself and you've just dropped way lower. You are of no effect. And in fact, you're not actually helping push the church forward. You're now hindering the church advancing. Why? Because you've got stupid belief systems that now are holding the whole church from going to the next place. We can't have that. So what are we doing? Protecting what we believe. We're protecting what comes in, but more importantly, we're protecting what comes out. I lock my doors at night, not because I don't want anybody in my house necessarily. It's because I got three kids and a wife at home that I love with all my heart, and I don't want any punk coming in here doing anything. So that's what you see your heart. I have my heart. This is my lock. This is my life. This is my believer. I'm, not, I'm very selective in who even speaks into my life. I don't allow just anybody coming in and prophesying all over me. <laughs> oh, I have a word for you. Give me a break. I know the Lord too. Yeah, I, what, I met you two minutes ago? Get out. Now, I'm not mean with it, but I'm very selective in what I hear. Same even what I'm listening, what I'm putting in my iPhone. What am I listening to? Because everything that you're hearing is coming into your believer. You, yeah, listen, I've talked talk with people that have some crazy ideas about God, and it all goes back to what they believe. I believe God is good. Where do I get my belief? James 1 tells me that every good and precious thing comes from God. I believe that. So you've got to expose yourself to this word. Romans 12, 1 and 2, again, very simple. But we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've got to get back to this book. What does this book say? Okay? This is my thought press. This is how I've been thinking. But Lord, if your word says differently, I am willing to let go of my wrong thinking and take your thought. Isaiah 55 talks about God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways higher than our ways. So he didn't just leave it like that. He said now, now come, let's reason together. Let's talk through some things. Right? God's interested. Do you don't believe that healing's for today? Well, let him prove it to you. Well, so-and-so says this. I don't care what so-and-so says. I don't even care if they're for it. you got to go back to what does the book say? What does this say? What does this say? What does this say? Every time you hear a message being preached, me included, you got to go back. Does it line up with what the Word says? If it doesn't, throw it out and say, Joel, you were a bit off. Okay, yeah, let's get back to this book. you got to stick with what the Word says. Not the high thought of the day, but what does this say? Because, listen, the days are short. Jesus is coming back soon. And it already talks about there are numerous crazy activity going on out there. But if we're close to what Jesus said, you're going to be okay. Your believing lines up with this. Listen, you will be okay. <laughs> Your family is going to be okay. Did you know you, you can choose to fear or not? Oh, I don't... My kids, I'm so worried about my kids in the school system. Listen, there's a lot of stuff that comes in. I mean, we had, a, we had an interview with Jason's school, and you're hearing about a lot of things, a lot of the transgender and a lot of stuff that they want to teach in the school. Right away, you could go, oh, not my kid. If you give them the word of God, my rest is in God loves them more than I love them. So what happens, I can actually, I'm sending my kids now as arrows in darkness. So what am I doing? Equipping them. 
giving them the word, giving them what they need to go out and be the vessel, be the light that God has called them to be. Yeah. Anyways, let's all stand up.